You're listening to From the Field, a podcast helping ministry leaders think differently, thrive personally, and lead thoughtfully. Welcome to From the Field. My name is Ryan Hughley. I'm lead pastor of Ridgeline Church in Salt Lake City, Utah, and the founder of Telio, a care and formation ministry for pastors. My name is Tyler Dravitz. I'm the executive pastor at Ridgeline Church and also the president of MyXP, a ministry where we help pastors solve problems by providing remote executive pastor support to churches around the country. All right. It was a big day for you. It was. Second shot. I am double dosed. Yep. You're microchipped. Your tail's starting to come in nicely. We already talked about I would be the beta for the beast, Mark. So I just <laughs> feel like, mark. as a matter of fact, in our group, I sent out a text message and and, and the response was like with uh, shot number two, you get Apple Pay, those yep. types of things. So Built-in magic band for that's Disney right. World. Oh, yeah. And, and if it. they did either of those things. You'd be pumped. I'm there. I know. Right. So the shot is like, like a non-issue, right? Didn't hurt at all. No, I mean, I... Uh, I don't know. I've just gotten like shots in my life. And mm-hmm. so shots don't bother me. But anytime I get one, mm-hmm. I will say like the person giving them was like, oh, that was the easiest one I gave all day. Like, I don't know. You it just have a really like a shottable body. Yeah. You know, I've always thought that about you. Yeah. 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 You could shoot me. <laughs> Wait, I don't know. I will say I almost interrupted the intro, but I wasn't sure how you'd handle that. Yeah. Probably not great. Uh, yeah. Probably not great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ever since we had Zach on, yeah. Now when I listen, I used to love our music. Now when yeah. we listen, I listen to our music. I envision some sort of like guy with a pop pocket protector and a Madonna mic, like running onto a school stage to give like an inspirational speech. That's true. He we did might, try to ruin it. He I did. Might have to I, refresh had, it. I had never thought that once, and now what it's all I can hear. It's a good thing he's Unbelievable. handsome. Unbelievable. Oh, what's handsome. <laughs> All right, so the shot was a non-issue. Non-issue. Here's here's what I want to know today. Okay, this is our question. This is our question. All right, what what is the most like top one or two most painful medical experiences that you've had? Um, well, I think probably uh, the best one I can mm-hmm. think of is uh, when I was young, like. So my little brother, a lot of kids are born with that like hole in their heart, but it uh-huh. like closes up real quick uh-huh. and it didn't for him. I don't think it did until he was like almost a teenager. And so as a result, uh, anytime anyone in the household got sick, it was a big deal. And we just like, I'm the Dravitz family is really prone to strep throat. Mm-hmm. And so I got strep throat a good amount. My mom, my mom also did daycare in our home and there were like 12 kids running around every day. And so there's just lots of germs everywhere. Mm-hmm. But, um, when you'd get strep throat, most of the time you get like penicillin or mm-hmm. whatever they'd give you today. That was what they gave you back then. Uh, well, because it was really serious and we needed to address it right away, I had to get a penicillin shot, which for those who don't know is a shot in your butt. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling you, and I've always been like, big Mm -hmm. and so I was a big kid and every time it happened they would have to send in several like like it was sort of like a small little medical office and it was that painful what what was was it the actual it's it's a big needle Uh and also I was like a child Mm -hmm. and I don't know had to pull down my pants and get a shot so yeah that's not a great day I just felt like if you could get kicked to keep you from doing this it was gonna happen yeah 
So, yeah. So I would like, I mean, I would like cry all the way to, I mean, I, I could be going for like an eye appointment. I would, mm-hmm. when I was little, I would cry all the way to the doctor. I'm not going to have to get a shot in the butt. I'm not going to. So, yeah. So that was pretty. Sounds awful. <laughs> I've never broken any bones. I've never anything like that. But what's weird is that I had that sort of like formative experience uh-huh. and I just could care so little about needles now. Yeah. Yeah. The heroin addiction that you have will fix that. Yes, that's true. Yeah. That's true. Um, mine, was, most of my injuries were sports related in high school. I haven't had like a ton of injuries in adulthood Yeah, that I can think of anyways. How do you get injured as an adult? I don't, I don't know. I just you're feel like really you're a, doing life wrong. not really a worker man, so I don't know how that would uh, happen. That was not, a, that was kind of a demoralizing thing to say. Well. You just make it sound like I don't, I don't know how to work. Like I just No, I just mean and, like, you know. In a way that would not get a you plumber. hurt. What are you going to do? Get a paper cut with your books? You know, what? I could get, like, I'm pretty sure I can get carpal tunnel or something. From <laughs> Sure. Yep. That's a real thing. I, I had a basketball game in high school where a kid that was like seven feet tall threw an elbow down and cracked Ooh. me on the top of my head. And I put my hand on top of my head because it hurt so bad. And I was like really woozy and out of it. And yeah. my mom was in the stands. We were, it was a travel game. And we were in South Dakota. So we were in some podunk town. Yep. I looked over to the stands to find my mom. And I took my head, my hand off my head and blood just poured down my face into my eyes. Oh, wow. So my dad was there. They opened up this like rink-a-dink ER that they cool, had in town. Cool. All the lights were off. It wasn't even open. <laughs> I didn't even know ERs closed. Yeah, yeah. That doesn't took me seem in, good. Stitched me up. I went back in the game. Fourth quarter. Scored 12 points. Unbelievable. Yeah. For Whatever. so many reasons. For so many I'd be like, reasons. first of all, first there of all, should be a retroactive. Well, it, it should be a retroactive <laughs> call to DCFS on your parents. <laughs> totally. For the choices made in that whole circumstance. Yeah. Second of all, I actually, I don't, I, it might sound a little made up, mm-hmm. but you either have been lying for years and years. I actually remember this story in high school. I wasn't at that game, mm-hmm. but I remember hearing about it. Mm-hmm. So I had a real bad concussion the next day. <laughs> yeah. That did not feel good. <laughs> Seems like it. So that was not fun. Yeah. Anyways. But this this shot was nothing like that. No. And I got my you sticker, got sticker on, on. And I'm like going to just keep... I'm gonna just keep like transferring it to. Did new you shirts. ask for that? Did you be like, were you like, hey, can I get, can I get a sticker? No, you know. So I got it done at like our local grocery pharmacy because uh-huh. that was the first one I could get, yeah. and so uh, they had like a little waiting area uh-huh. where you like have to sit for your 15 minutes. Oh yeah, yeah. And yeah. there was like a stack of them there. I should have taken more than one. Then I wouldn't have to transfer a single sticker. Man, I mean, how long do you plan on wearing? This sticker. I'm going to wear it with pride everywhere I go. <laughs> I got in like a fight at the ice cream store last night with someone who refused to wear a mask. Oh. And it's run by like teenagers. And so they didn't say anything. And like everyone in the store was uncomfortable. And mm-hmm. so I went to it. Here's here's what's interesting. This guy was like as ridiculous. Like he was the stereotype of what you think someone who is against these types of things would yeah. be. I mean, he was just hostile and angry and this and that. And uh, I was wearing sandals, and he said, "Well, if uh, if I'm if I have to wear a mask, you have to cover your feet." And I was like, "Because <laughs> a lot of people are getting COVID from toes." Well, I was just like, "Yeah, uh, you know, my sandals one are allowed, and two, I, I have never killed anyone." So. <laughs> Um, you said that in the moment. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I would have thought about that like two hours after, and I would have been so... Well, I was just like, it was ridiculous. But here's my greatest regret. And I even called and talked to the like teenage manager afterwards, and I was like, I'm sorry, that person was ridiculous, and blah, blah, blah. And they said that their corporate has told them like they're not even really supposed to address it because they're all like 
so young, and they just aren't going to fight with anyone. Okay. Um, but I, I don't even know what he was trying to prove, but in order to just be like hateful, mm-hmm. he pulled a hundred bucks out of his wallet and tried to like reward me for turning him in and like handed it and like shoved it in my face. And I like backed off and walked around. Why didn't I take his hundred bucks? Yeah, you for sure should have. What in the, even, yeah. even on the phone to the like manager lady, I was like, I was like, you know, I should have taken his hand. She goes, I couldn't believe you didn't. <laughs> I feel like you know, if he's going to almost kill me, then, you know, I. It's going to get. So our mask, you know, our statewide mask mandate ugh. lifted yesterday. Yep. It's going to get confusing. So we were just in Arizona for a week. Yeah. And their mask mandate. I don't even know if they ever had one, but it's I lifted. And so as a result, you see the confusion that it creates when there's not like a statewide protocol. Sure. Because then it's on each individual establishment to enforce it. And I'm sure. telling you, at least in Arizona, nobody is. Right. Like every single place we went into, there were people, every, every, every like restaurant, anything we ever went into, everybody had signs on the door, masks are mandated. You have mm-hmm. to wear them inside. Everyone does whatever they want. Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, it'll just depend. I think like, so what I can tell you, at least in Utah, uh, because I was on the phone with my parents and I just like my brain forgot Mm -hmm. what year it was. And so I get out of my car and I go like storming into Target. I like got screamed at by the woman and the security was on me within. I didn't get off. For not wearing your mask in? Yeah, because I just... I mean, and as soon as I felt, it was as though Did I had you just have that stupid sticker it, on and you were like, now I don't have to. <laughs> no, it was as though I didn't have pants on. Oh, I yeah. ran out. I shrieked. Oh, ah! yeah. And then I ran out of Target. I was so embarrassed because I'm not the guy yeah. who is going to hand out hundos right. for being able to not wear my mask. But I just feel like imagine that, should... that guy's face if you're like, all right. And took his money. I, oh, man. And he Gosh. would have been out a hundred bucks. That's one of the And he was great... young. He was like early 20s. You don't. Was it really? Yeah. A hundred bucks. Like, That's and he had his girlfriend with him and she oh, was like. Oh, was like real tough. Yeah. Oh, it was a whole thing. Yeah. To get your kids ice cream. Wow. That was nice of you. Wow. And I'm, I'm more disappointed you didn't take his money. Oh, uh, me too. Yeah. Because it would have covered many ice creams more. <laughs> but regardless, we have totally derailed. I just need, we have. I meant to tell you that story earlier and I forgot. Oh, I'm glad I didn't know it until now. <laughs> so we're going to start a new series today and uh, talk a little bit about, so every week we meet beforehand and we talk a little bit about where we're headed. And yeah. one thing that you said yesterday that I found helpful is um, to just think about like, we're always trying to like solve some problem in every conversation mm-hmm. or give our perspective on something. And I, I was thinking about how one distinctive of our podcast seems to be, and I don't, I don't think I didn't at least set out to do this intentionally, but as I think back on a thread that runs through them is that we, we do try to challenge um, some of conventional ministry culture, not because it's all, not because everything that is conventional is bad. And just to be like, we are becoming, I think, crotchety old men. Mm-hmm. I was already there. You, yeah, you were born there. I am You've like been the old man, Matthau, and grumpy yeah. old men for you ha- sure. And have been since you were about 11. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to yell at you if you walk yeah. in my yard. <laughs> That's right. Um, but there are, but I think what one thing that we don't love is how sometimes some things creep up in ministry culture where it's like, this is the way. Mm-hmm. And um, there are a number of things that would be conventional ministry cultural items that are super different 
at our church yeah, and that absolutely. we do differently sure. and that we've seen fruit and we're like super happy with the church that we have, our people love our church. And so we just want to not necessarily like criticize and be constantly contrarian about everything that is conventional, but I think speak sometimes to a different way, like sure. well, at least and only ever really our way. Not to be like super self-centered, but we pretty much oh, yeah. only talk about like, this is what we do. Sure. I mean, uh, regularly uh, through my XP. So I provide remote executive pastor support to churches and around I the have, country. Uh, listen, well, you just got to finish it. I yeah, just gotta, but I, regardless. Yeah. Um, and as, but, but I have no executive pastor authority, mm. meaning I don't get to decide. I make recommendations. Right. I, I give like gentle or sometimes less gentle proddings. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I just give some kind of direction around like, here's what I think you ought to do, but then you have to decide. And oftentimes it's like, well, what do you think I should do? And my response always is, well, I can tell you what we do at Ridgeline because mm-hmm. at Ridgeline I do get to decide. Mm-hmm. And my point being uh, what I always tell these churches is, and I have to tell you, I definitely think this is the best way because if there was another way I thought was better, I would that. do it at my own church. Always. And so that's, you know, the point being that of course we're going to talk about the things that we're doing because why wouldn't we talk about the things that we feel like are the best way? Totally. Yeah. So this series, what we want to do is we want to challenge the tendency that I do think is very commonplace, oftentimes unspoken and not like overt and direct, but mm-hmm. absolutely exists. Mm-hmm. The tendency to equate success in ministry with a sizable and specifically a fast growing ministry. Mm. Right. So like you think about, you know, I I think, I mean, I don't, not all ministry leaders think this way, but by and large, if I were to ask you like, close your eyes Mm. and I want you to think about the five most successful churches in America. Yeah. It's going to be like the same 10 are going to come up over and over again. And they're by and large with some exceptions of of different people. They're all going to be like these massive churches. Totally. I mean, you just look at outreach magazines, hundred fastest growing churches in the country. Yep. And so our, we, we have background in that, like that, that has been, this has been an area where there's been, uh, change and growth Mm -hmm. for us. Uh, especially I think, I think even more for me than for you, um, because this is very much the way that I thought. And if it wasn't, I was, we were talking about this yesterday and I don't know that I so much equated success with size and growth, but I definitely was looking for significance in that. I thought Mm -hmm. those things were necessary to do other things that I did feel like God had wired me to do like write and things like that. And we have found in this latest season of ministry over the last three years in Salt Lake, even a part, like we haven't experienced explosive growth. We have a super healthy church, especially for Salt Lake city. Yep. But we, you know, our story's not like we're not doing the the helicopter drop and growing by thirty thousand people right. this Easter. Like that's not going to happen. No. And we still very much look at what God has entrusted to us. I do, anyways. And I feel like we've been successful. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think the best way I can qualify that. I mean, we did a whole series on like plant the church you want to go uh-huh. to and past or pastor the church you want to yep. go to. All of those types of things. And I think what I can safely say for me is I don't care 
who's on that list or who's mm-hmm. in Outreach Magazine or anything like that, they could call and offer to like turn over the keys and walk away right now, and I wouldn't trade. Mm-mm. Not, I mean, I am so thrilled with what God is doing in and through our church, mm-hmm. regardless of the number of people on a Sunday morning. That I like, there's there's nothing as far as kind of that siren calling out mm-hmm. that uh, is luring to me at all. Yeah, and at least for me, that's definitely been a process because like when we planted Redemption. We planted in 2009, Mm -hmm. and I very much had that mentality and wanted to see the thing, you know, blow up and grow. A lot of the people that I think I almost even idolized were people who had had that experience where their thing blew up. Right. And they were growing by hundreds and sometimes weekly growing by hundreds of people. Yep. And when that's the fountain that you're drinking from, it's very difficult not to equate those things. And so, so, you know, there was so much of my, I was um, chronically dissatisfied at Redemption, Mm -hmm. even though we had a healthy, financially healthy, Mm -hmm. spiritually healthy, we had a great culture. Yeah. I just always felt this like angst. And we, you know, we went through seasons where, you know, we had that season when we first moved in to that building. We, not everybody knows this, but we were about a year in to redemption. We were approached by a dying Baptist church about giving us their building. And so we moved in there and over the course of that first year there, less than a year, we grew by over a hundred people, which is a lot to grow by a hundred percent in a year. Totally. And I remember when that was happening and I was like, here we go. That's right. It's happening. That's right. And then they took that building from us and Mm -hmm. we didn't, we shrunk and did (laughs) not grow. Yep. After that. And, and, and because of that, I just constantly felt so angsty and frustrated and Mm -hmm. I didn't enjoy this incredible gift that God had given me. And then this North Carolina opportunity came Yeah, and there again, it was like, here we go. This is it. Mm -hmm. 90,000 square foot building, Mm -hmm. uh, Big staff valued in North Carolina uh, in like small town North Carolina dollars at ten million. Yeah, uh, good sized staff. Mm-hmm. Church jumped from six hundred ish to a thousand mm-hmm. in three months. Yeah, and um, and every single day of it, with very rare exception, was absolutely miserable. Yeah, I think hell on earth is the bet. Like. <laughs> Like, I think that yeah. if I were to die and go to hell, it would be me reliving days there over and over again. Yeah, Groundhog mean, Day in that yeah, season of life. Absolutely. And I think the thing I have uh, regularly said is um, I went from that and, you know, an almost a million dollar budget and all of those types of things. And I've got a trailer now and you couldn't get me to trade it. Yeah. I mean, you know, I guess if you were, no, no, there, yeah. I, I can't even think of a qualifier I no. would throw out. But I remember, you know, for about a year or so after that, and sometimes people will still ask like, what are, what are my big takeaways from that experience? Yeah. And I think for sure there's, there's probably two or three things, but the one that constantly comes to the top is just the lesson for me was the health Trump size every day of the week. Yeah. And so that is, that has become this massive practical, philosophical, theological shift in my own thinking and out the way we function Mm -hmm. is that what we're really focused on is health. Yeah. But, but sadly that is not, I don't think that's normative, you know, that there is still this thing. And even, even if we, even if people hate that they feel that way, it's just this, it's like trying to swim upstream against this really hard current culturally. 
especially in like any United States church yeah. that is really focused on if you have to be sizable to be successful. Yep. And, and so that's not something that we always, I don't know too many people that like say that straight out. Sure. Like, I don't think I've ever actually heard someone say that straight out, but many of the other things that we say mm-hmm. and the behaviors that are commonplace point to that. And so, like, let's talk about a few of the things that might be, like, signals that that this is the way that we think. So one is, like, if you think about every church planter's gathering or conference Mm -hmm. we've gone to together in the last 15 years, Mm -hmm. what is usually in the top, the the first three questions that you are asked by, by a church planter? Yeah, I mean, I think sometimes people just outright say, like, you know, how big is your church? Mm-hmm. I mean, just just that question of like, so like, you know, how many are you running or mm-hmm. something like that. And it's um, like an and and then an immediate based on that number, an immediate judgment is made totally. on how successful ah. you are, how significant you are, mm-hmm. how long they stay in this conversation with you before they move 100%. on to someone else. Yep, it's the worst. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I think I think that if uh, if it's not directly that I think uh, so and maybe somebody doesn't ask you uh-huh. but you're like real excited to share that yeah and so you start talking about your campuses uh-huh. you know and we both know it's like the one you got and then your quote-unquote online campus yeah. or something like that but yeah. still you you know well yeah we're looking at hiring another campus pastor you know yeah. that type of thing uh, I, think so I think a, there's bi- that. a big thing for me I think a way that I cloaked this mm. was uh, I constantly used the phrase and and honest honest to God like before Jesus thought in my head yeah um, I just want to make the biggest impact for the kingdom possible mm-hmm. and the truth is like I heard Chandler say one time we're all a mixed uh, mixed bag of mm-hmm. motivation. And I've stolen that and I just rephrased it as like, we're all a, a junk drawer of motivation. Cool. Um, but cause you just, you think about like a junk drawer and you've got things in there that are really good and mm-hmm. useful that yeah. you don't really have anywhere else to put. You, you have multiple, so junk, many, so junk many drawers. Your, your life is a junk drawer. Right. Our whole ministry yeah. center <laughs> is, is a just secret drawer. <laughs> junk drawers. I try to keep hidden from you. Yeah. But then there are things in it that are completely useless mm-hmm. that just need to be thrown away. Like yeah. that one Applebee's gift card with yeah. like 13 cents on it that you just can't like, Ooh. you're holding on to that. They got some good queso right there. But, oh my gosh, do they really? Mm -hmm. Oh man, I did Mm -hmm. not know that. Um, But uh, so I think there, there was a genuine part of me that I do want to make an impact in this, in the kingdom with the life that I've been given and an immense amount of my significance was bound to the size of our ministry sure. and the speed with which it grew. Totally. And I think whether it's like so big impact or I want to be a steward, a good mm-hmm. steward of the time and the, the skills God's yeah. given me and that kind of thing. Uh, I think another one, this idea of, well, if I'm headed to heaven, I want to bring as many people with me as possible. Yeah. Um, like, what are you driving a tour bus? Like, what is it? <laughs> Come on, get on in. You know you don't. You yeah. don't. You don't get to drive them through the pearly gates. <laughs> right. That's that's the. You said one works. yesterday that almost made me throw up. Uh, it's not about seats, but every seat's a soul. Oh man, I'm telling you. I know we sound. I, I was even reading through these earlier. We sound so cynical talking about these, and and so maybe there is people out there that, that this is like totally. Some of this sure. is totally genuine. I I think for me, I just know. 
I've thought and said some of these things in totally. the past and it was not sincere. And For it was, sure. and so I think some of my judgment is looking back on like my 15 years ago self going, Oh, I do not like that. Oh guy. man. Well, yeah, that guy is in my Facebook memories every Ugh. day. They're the worst. And I think, so yeah, to clarify, we're not really judging others. We're judging our former selves yeah. for sure. And I just think that, um, uh, it's not that it's impossible for that to be your like life and death motivation. Mm -hmm. I think, um, I think we're going to get to the problems. Um, but even if that is what drives you, um, the problem, well, I'll just jump to the problems. Yeah. Uh, what if God doesn't have that for you yeah. in that way? Yeah. And I think that's the problem just because that whole idea of just because that's a desire yep. that's in your heart. Uh, that doesn't mean that God has that for you right. in the slightest. Which leads to, and this was this this is what I was describing ah, yeah, that, yeah. that I it. felt, which was this like perpetual dissatisfaction mm -hmm. with what God had given me. Yep. And I do think, and this is like it, like what I when I reflect on leaving redemption, it was what I do believe is it was time for me to leave. I Absolutely. needed to leave. Mm -hmm. I don't think that I needed to leave for the reasons I thought I needed to leave, Sure, <laughs> but I needed to leave because that perpetual dissatisfaction, like, like there are, there are just some churches that are going to be a hundred healthy, good churches mm -hmm. that are going to be a hundred, 200 people forever. Sure. And if you have a leader in place who is like, has this thing in them that they're drilling. Like, we got to be a thousand. We got to be 2000. You become abusive to the unintentionally, but it becomes a form of abuse where you were sure. like trying to drive this, this group of people to be something that God does not want it to be. Well, and again, the ones that make the news and the one that makes the headlines and outreach magazine are in the tiniest minority. As right. a matter of fact, the average church size in America is well under 100 people. Right. Uh, a study I had read, it was uh, several years old, but it was 52. I think mm -hmm. it's increased to closer to 70 now. But mm -hmm. still, it is not 25,000 people. No. It is not, you know, growing by hundreds. It's like, and those people need a church to go to as well. Yep. And the more you get to see behind the curtain of mm. those, a, a lot, you, like you get to see that, I mean, as we've all seen publicly, like yeah. it's not always all it's cracked up to be. There yep. can be a very high level of secret sin and dysfunction that's bound up in that. And that's not yep. to equate big with bad. Nope. But I think it is to negate the idea that big is always better. Sure. And because it, it's just not. And so not only don't long for that, but the likelihood mm -hmm. that that's what God has for you, just the odds. And I get that like our God is a God, but even I'm hearing some people say in their own heads, well, our God's a God of, you know, odd breaking. That's mm -hmm. true. He mm -hmm. is. And odds still exist. Mm -hmm. And the odds that that's what God has for you is pretty slim. Yeah. It just is. So, I mean, yeah. I mean like objectively. So statistically, yeah, it's what less than 1%, mm -hmm. right? So, yeah. so here's, we, let's talk about some problems with this idea that success equals big yep. and sizable. Yeah. I think one would be, um, and this is the really important one is I think God's definition of success differs from ours in a major way. Absolutely. Like when you think about just the great commission in Matthew 28, Jesus did say to go out into all of the world for mm -hmm. sure. And, uh, to make disciples. Yep. And then there were two components to this disciple making. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey everything, uh, to observe everything that I have commanded. Mm -hmm. So there's this formation thing that is commanded 
And that is Jesus' definition of success. Mm-hmm. If disciples, followers of Jesus, are being formed in a local church, yep. it is being successful in Jesus' eyes. Absolutely. And, uh, and so there's never a time that I'm aware of in all of Scripture where God ever equates size with success. Right. There are there is obviously through the book of Acts there are all of these points at which numbers are mentioned and growth is mentioned. Mm-hmm. One of the reasons for that was to like mark the oddity of it for sure. sure. Yep. And that God was doing a very unique thing mm-hmm. in that. That's the reason so many of the things that are mentioned in scripture are mentioned in scripture. It's to show that they are not normative and mm-hmm. we then want to take them and normalize them. But like the flood happened once, the Red Sea happened once, mm-hmm. the sun stood still once. Mm-hmm. And so when you take this and go, God wants you to part the Red Sea. No, dummy, he doesn't. That was like a one-time <laughs> act. Right. And uh, and so it's a huge, huge problem when we take and we make um, our definition of success God's definition because his is just qualitatively different. Yeah, absolutely. And I think to kind of like connect to that as well, it's what I said earlier, and that also God may not have that for you. Mm-hmm. Like, cause he gets to decide. Yep. Yeah. That's cause the it. second, the second problem with like equating size with the su- success, this is something that we've talked about so much as of late. It's that, that God gives growth that you don't do it. Well, I mean, that's crazy. How do you have any idea that that's true? Well, it just so happens that I have a Bible today, oh, which I think this good. is shameful. Maybe in 43 episodes is the first time I'm going to read a passage of scripture. I, We're we, not that yeah. kind of podcast. Yeah. Um, but in first Corinthians chapter three, um, you know, one of the issues that Paul's addressing in these first few chapters is that there were these like tribes of people that were growing up in Corinth, some that were claiming allegiance to Apollo, some were claiming, mm-hmm. um, claiming allegiance to Paul mm-hmm. and Paul wants to like, squash all that. Yep. And so he says in chapter three, verse uh, five, six, and seven, he says, what then is Apollos? What is Paul? <clears throat> he does talk in the third person there, which I don't love, mm-hmm. um, but it's, <laughs> we're going to give him a pass. All right. Uh, they are servants through whom you believed and each has the role the Lord has given. I planted Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. Mm. I didn't go to seminary, but that seems like so straightforward to me. Yeah. Right. There's just not many conferences about that. There's not. And then verse seven, he says, <laughs> so then neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. Yeah. And yeah, you just don't, you know, you think about how many, and this isn't like criticism from the other side of the fence. We're talking about conferences that we have been to yeah. that are very formulaic around. If you do these seven things, you will be fruitful and you will grow because healthy things grow. Oh, man. I know that's one of your favorite phrases. Oh, healthy things grow. And you, you've you said that Rick Warren has talked about it, this and that, but just that idea that there's only a few things in like biology that grow that fast. Cancer, bacteria, yeah. yeah. virus. Not you know. good things. Yeah. There's very, actually, almost nothing right. that grows rapidly. Uh COVID. Yeah. Uh, let's make it relevant. <laughs> you know what fast, I'm saying? Yeah. That's right. Uh, and I think, I mean, I have heard some very honest pastors of churches that have experienced quick exponential mm-hmm. growth that would say there are some serious problems sure. that came with that and culture that didn't get to form and conflict that resulted from it. Totally. And so it's just, but the, the bigger point just being like your, your formula, like you can, you can go and do the seven things that 
Andy Stanley did or mm-hmm. that Stephen Furtick did yep. or that, you know, I don't know, pick your other person I don't care about, that they <laughs> went and did. And you could do it exactly the same and you may not see the same results. Absolutely. Because it, it's not doesn't work like that. God gives growth. And I think that's where, so you shared kind of like um, how God's grown you. And, and I think for a preacher, obviously that idea of preaching to a room filled with people and all that, there's that as an executive pastor and a really behind the scenes executive pastor, that's never done a ton for me mm-hmm. um, because like I don't love being in front of, and so like the size of the room is just like, more like maintenance problems and yeah (laughs) i mean there's just a lot more drama it's more expensive all of those types of things i think i will say though what i had to grow through is the belief that like i just always believed that that truth like like it's pretty simple to grow a large church as Mm -hmm. long as you you know Mm -hmm. have a great connection process and capture people's info and follow up faithfully and you know have an easy way for them to sign up and remove roadblocks and Mm -hmm. like your church will grow Mm -hmm. and the reason a church is small is because they're doing something wrong it's ineffective it's you know like from from the xp mindset yeah it just wasn't very uh efficient and if you could increase your efficiencies Mm -hmm. you would be able to like negate any reason why you shouldn't just grow rapidly and it would just i mean it was just a very simple, like, let's map it out on a whiteboard, mm-hmm. then do it, like work the system. Here's the playbook mm-hmm. and therefore you'll grow. And mm-hmm. I think the problem is, um, I mean, we've done church picnics with schematics and <laughs> I'm telling you, it was lights out mm-hmm. to like 120 people. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that, um, our, uh, desire and call and drive to faithful stewardship should not be connected to Mm -hmm. what God has for us as he gives the growth. Mm -hmm. Like there's no reason to phone it in regardless of the size of your church. There's no reason to say, well, one day we'll do that when we're big enough or things like that. I mean, there's certain things that uh, finances are an obstacle to and things like Mm -hmm. that, but it doesn't mean that you should just do anything other than like be a good faithful servant with what God's given you and like be content in that. I'm just curious about Mm -hmm. this as a, like a super faithful executive pastor and one that has been with me for the entirety of my ministry. Mm -hmm. What degree of your thoughts and maybe emotional connection to like growth and needing to grow and be of size was driven by me and my sort of like my angst around we need to do, we need to be this we need to be that this is the rate at which it needs to happen how much of it do you think really was just your own stuff like you were just talking about and mm-hmm. how much of it was like you really do feel like as an executive pastor your job is the implementation of lead yeah. pastor's vision which we'll talk about in future episodes someday yeah how much of it was like just like shoot like it won't hurt my feeling yeah. like how much of it was my fault <laughs> I think pretty exclusively and completely. Yeah. Uh, if I had said, if I had been where I am now, yeah, you probably would have cared less. Well, how much do I care now? Zero. Right. And I think that, um, I think that what's interesting is when it wouldn't grow, um, I think where I was stuck in was just like, well, there's another problem to solve, yeah. which is a little stimulating, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. if everything that you do just like automatically turns to gold, that's horribly boring. Totally boring. <laughs> Yeah. And so I'm not sure. I think um, I think I would get stumped with why it didn't work and think mm-hmm. there's something wrong with the system or that, you know, and so then there's something more to tinker on. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that um, 
I've really, I think because of our commitment to really applying that verse deeply in our minds and our souls and all of those types of things, um, I've really just come to, I am going to like, I am going to ensure that like Ridgeline operates, like we just run the wheels off this bus, mm-hmm. even if it's only the four of us. Mm-hmm. There's more than four. But, there is, yeah. Just to but be just clear. a handful. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the reason I, I asked that <clears throat> is because I, I think that is a, such an important point mm. that I want to make is, good. you know, especially I don't think that anyone sets the tone in for the culture of a church and a staff and any of that more than a lead. Like whoever your lead communicator, I know some big churches are like the lead pastor is not the main, pre- like whoever's like, whoever's preaching in your church most regularly. Yeah. They're, they're the face of it. That's like, that's where people are taking cues right. from. And so typically that's going to be lead pastor, preaching pastor. Yep. And I think if you are driving that, that's the, 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 the potential for the abusive part that I was talking about earlier sure. is just like your personal brokenness and dysfunction mm-hmm. is infecting and burdening every person in your church. Yeah. And you got to work that out. (laughs) And, and my, like my, I'm able to see this and to say this now and, uh, and God's done a lot of work and healing in me, but like, I just caused pain that I will never cause again. Cause that's where I was. Like when I left redemption, there were, (laughs) because I was super blessed with a church that I was so well loved by. Like that was so heartbreaking yeah. for the people who did call redemption home. And it was heartbreaking for some of my closest friends. Mm. And even when we left Northwest Fa- or Northwest family, <laughs> that's even years earlier when we left uh, North Carolina, yeah, that was heartbreaking for yeah. a lot of people. And it mm-hmm. was terribly difficult on my family and mm. you and you know, the rest of our team. And, and, and so much of that, was the result of just this like broken dysfunction that equated size with success. Sure. And I just can't, I don't think we can overemphasize how critical it is to like, whatever, man, get a therapist, read a book, take a retreat, but face that and get to the bottom of that so that you don't have to experience and inflict unnecessary pain. Yeah. And I think I would say if you're listening and that's you, Allow yourself, you know, pastors get to grow as well. Totally. And pastors get to be impacted and change. And so if that's you today, like, don't let it be you tomorrow. Right. That's the big thing. Like, like it does not have to be your story. Like that, your story doesn't have to just have one chapter. Right. Allow yourself. Cause that was, that was who you were and it's not who you are. Yeah. And that's great. Yeah. And so just to come back to where we started, our focus has shifted from size to health. Yeah. That's I mean, so really... much so, uh, years ago, we wrote a document we called The Vital Few. Yeah. And we spent an unbelievable amount of time and energy crafting these phrases and things like that of just these five things that we'll, you know, probably do a series on at mm-hmm. some point. But That's these five idea. things that were so important mm-hmm. to us and, and just, uh, it wasn't even something that, like, our church was widely aware of, but it was just sort of like our... Our, like battle cry to yeah. ministry 
And as a result of the pain we experienced in North Carolina, we added one. Right. I don't know that we'll add one again, yeah. but uh, we added one that is entitled Healthy Leaders, Healthy, Leaders, yep. Healthy Churches. That's right. So yep. we care deeply about that. So now what we're going to do over the next few weeks is we're going to talk about just a few signs of health. Yeah. So just want to set this up because there's going to be some nerd at the end of it that's like, you didn't talk about theology. Um <laughs> Is that what he sounds like? In my mind, that's what he always sounds like. That's fair. It's always a white, young, twenty-five-year-old guy, and it's always you don't care about the young. And so we're not like we're not going to say everything. Like there are great books out there about church health. We're going to really focus on a handful of things that are really critical to us, and I would say specifically in the season that we're in right now. Totally. So things are like our dashboard. So things like we want to see growth and emotional maturity, and we want to see people learning to love one another, and people learning to live generously and be Mm -hmm. engaged in service and building friendship. Those are things that we're looking at right now that we're saying when we, when we see these things happening and we do see these things increasing and growing because we're not anti-growth. We just don't equate success with the number of people who show up on Sunday morning, but we are looking for growth in these areas totally. for sure. And so that's what each week we'll talk about a different one of these. Totally. And, and we're going to talk about them a bit more kind of philosophically or 10,000 foot view. And then we're also going to talk about how does it practically like work itself out at our church? What are some of the methods and systems and things like that that we use? So, so some of you and some of me. Exactly. <laughs> it works out perfectly. But there is, you said this yesterday, like that, I just, and even as you said it, I kind of, I had this moment and I've thought this before. I just, there's going to come a day when we stand before Jesus and Lord willing, we do hear like, well done, Mm -hmm. good and faithful servant. And I think in that moment, two things are going to happen. I think that we are going to have our hearts swell Mm. with this just overwhelming joy that we get to hear this from Jesus. Yep. And... (laughs) this unbelievable, overwhelming, I don't mean this in like a super derogatory way, but like, like shame about how much stupid crap we were so focused on. Yep. I think both those things are going to happen. And I had this moment, uh, this morning driving home from the gym, I had a really demoralizing workout, so that Mm, might be part of it. Sure. Um, but I was driving home from the gym and it just struck me that the the older that I get, the more I aspire to just live a quiet life. Yeah. Like, and I don't think I'm getting lazy. It's not Mm -hmm. that I don't like to work. It's not that I like, I just, I don't know. I just don't care about so many of those things anymore. And I'm super, super thankful for that. Yeah. And hopefully you are too. Oh man. (laughs) I have been, I've been angling for that for a long, 27 years in praise the Lord. (laughs) <laughs> All right. So next week we'll kick off five or six more conversations uh, with these things that we're looking at as church health. But until yep. then, we uh, we want to say thanks for listening to this episode again. And if you if this is the first time that you've joined us, welcome. We're so glad that you found the podcast. If it is your first time, you could help us out by subscribing wherever you listen. Uh, you can leave a review uh, as well. And we'd love to connect with you on social media. So you can find me on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at at Ryan Hughley, that's H-U-G-U-L-E-Y. And you can find me on the same platforms at at Tyler Dravitz, that's D-R-E-W-I-T-Z. As always, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. <laughs>